All right. Thank you for joining our podcast. Today's episode is on Johnny Depp and Amber Heard as it relates to the Me Too movement, as well as female micro and overt aggression. So let's, um, let's jump right into this discussion. It should be a fun one. But first, let's start by introducing our panel. Hailing from Georgia, Dark One, are you out there? Yes, I am. Fantastic. Also in Georgia, Idris Helbra, are you out there? Yes, I'm here. Fantastic. And in Chicago, are you there, Tia? I am here. Fantastic. And I am Luna Ma, here with you live from Georgia. So when you hear Me Too movement, and of course, you hear about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, these are all names that are pretty, pretty popular. And especially when it comes to the Me Too movement, the creator, Tarana Burke, we have to acknowledge her, right? So Tarana was born in September of 73. She's 46 years old. She's an activist from the Bronx, New York, where my New York folks at. And <laughs> okay, Dark One is, is hailing up uh, the uh, New York masses. And, you know, some really interesting facts about Toronto, but I'm just, again, for the purpose of the audience, going to give you some, some facts about these three players, Ms. Burke, Ms. Hurd, Mr. Depp. So Ms. Burke became the person of the year. She was named by time as the person of the year in 2017 And that's really when the Me Too movement became viral, specifically in October of 2017. It's reported that American actress Alyssa Milano, many of you guys are familiar with Alyssa Milano's work. I know I was a fan growing up of her. And she was quoted saying, if all the women who have been sexually harassed or assaulted wrote Me Too as a status, we might give people a sense of the magnitude of the problem. So actually, Alyssa posted this on Twitter, and that is how it really became a viral hashtag. I didn't know that before, and I was really interested in our research to find that out. So October 15, 2017, Alyssa Milano posts this quote here on Twitter that I just read, if all women who have been sexually harassed or assaulted wrote Me Too as a status, we might give people a sense of the magnitude of the problem. Same year, Ms. Burke is named Person of the Year. Okay? Let's talk now about Amber Heard. Honestly, I didn't know much about her before the panel brought this topic to me and, and doing a little research on Ms. Heard. She's 34 years old, was born in on April 22nd, she's known as an actress, an American actress and model. And of course, on a personal note, she was wedded to uh, Johnny Depp. Uh, in 2011, she actually met Johnny when she played the female lead opposite of him in The Rum Diary. Years later, she filed for divorce in 2016. And the divorce was finalized in January of 2017. So now keep in mind, you heard me talk about October 2017. This Me Too movement is becoming viral. And Amber Heard is divorcing Johnny Depp in January of the same year. Johnny Depp, does he need an introduction, y'all? Probably not. He is 56 years old, born June 9th. He's known, of course, as an American actor. What I did know is that he's also a musician and a producer. We would all agree that he's probably regarded as one of the most famous, the biggest film star of our time. And one of the things that we talked about as a panel is, yes, Johnny's known to be a serial dater, but he's only been married twice, folks. He was married to Lori Allison, a makeup artist in 83, later divorced in 85, And 30 years later, some of you guys listening aren't even 30. 30 years later, he marries Amber Heard in 2015. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, they divorced in 2017. So just wanted to give you guys some facts about these three important names as it relates to our discussion today, Toronto Burke, Amber Heard, Johnny Depp. So what I'd like to do now, I want to put to the other lady on this panel, of course, Tioff. Actually, the only lady on the panel, I serve as your host, 
Uh, Tiof, if you could please tell us based on your knowledge, because you brought this to the, the team as far as what we wanted to discuss today, about the Johnny Depp-Amber Heard situation as it relates to a viral video whereby Heard is, pun intended, Heard, saying some rather incriminating things. So, Tiof, talk to us about that. Well, the video that I shared with you all, that was just one of many videos that I've seen, not just by these two particular gentlemen, Abe and Preach. I shared that with you also just to familiarize you all with exactly what was going on, but there's been many videos out there where the actual recording, uh, recorded conversations between the two of them were finally leaked and basically are pretty much exonerating uh, Johnny Depp because she pretty much in the audio recordings, the phone conversations uh, that they agreed to record for the purpose of therapy, from what I understand, she basically admits to being the one to physically assault him but then begins gaslighting him to to make it seem like, oh, nobody's going to believe you, you know, being beat up by me, this 115-pound woman. Um, But that's just one of many videos that, that are out there that's showing the audio so that the public can hear what actually went on. As they mentioned in the video, he he lost his main role in Pirates of the Caribbean because of her accusations. But, yeah, the audio was leaked, and this is just one of many audios that's out there. So, T.R., thank you. Thank you so much for uh, giving us a summary of the audio. We are going to post that, of course, so that our listeners can listen along if they have not. Tell us a little bit about some of the, if you will, some of the comments don't have to be verbatim, but tell us a little bit about some of the comments that were shocking on that on that audio. And this question is for Tioff and for Dark Juan and Idris, if any of you want to weigh in on what were some of the comments from Amber Heard on that on that audio clip that were shocking. Why don't we actually, since Tioff did a great job of um, giving us a summary of the audio and the situation, let's uh, let's go to one of the gentlemen. So Dark Juan, what was one of the uh, alarming or shocking things you heard in the audio. Dark one? I thought it was really interesting on how she described her tendency toward violent action as something that he should accept. You know, if I'm going to throw pots and pans, if I'm going to punch you, you know, you're not hurt, so it's not a big deal. And I think a lot of women have that mentality that they are able to do things to us that would be criminal if we did to them but because we're not hurt by it, because we can, quote unquote, take it, it's okay for them to do. I think a lot of women have that mentality that it's okay to hit men because we're bigger and stronger and can take it and won't be hurt. And I think that it is equally abusive for a woman to hit a man as, as it is for a man to hit a woman. Understood. Understood. Thank you for that, Dark Juan. Let's go to you next, Idris Helbra. What did you hear in that video or rather in that audio that was, was shocking to you? Yeah, I was going to say the same things. Uh, It's it's amazing that she was present with the fact that, you know, she has the tendency to be abusive. And then I did some further research into her personal life, and it shows that she's actually right. But we can get into that as the conversation continues. So so I want to, we're going to bracket and put that aside, Idris uh, Helbra, as far as getting into more for history, but you're teasing right. us here. Tell us a little bit about, if you could in 30 seconds or less, what did you find out? Well, yeah, if you, it's easily accessible, but if you research her personal life, she, from 2008 to 2012, she was in a romantic relationship with a woman in which she was arrested for domestic violence. Mm. Okay, that, that, that's huge. So <laughs> that's huge. So Idris Helper, you, you know, I, I dipped my toe into this pool, but you went for a swim. And so I get it. I got it. And we will come back to that. We will come back to is, is history an indicator of the future? Is, was this something that Amber was, whether we want to say predisposed to or known for being the aggressor, be it in a 
same-sex relationship or a heterosexual relationship, you know, we do want to unpack that and talk about that. Before we get back to uh, tee off, I'll, I will weigh in on what Dark One mentioned, which is this idea that men are supposed to be able to take it. Um, I can say proudly <laughs> that I have never put my hands on a man or a woman, for that matter, um, in violence. I am known to be touchy-feely. I'm the type of person that will, you know, pat you on your shoulder when I'm talking, but I'm never violent. And I do not believe that men can, quote, take it. I've never found that to be at all ladylike, to hit a woman or a man, for that matter. And so before we go to tee off, I'm just going to add one more point here, and that is reality TV, in my view, has really celebrated violence when it comes to women. You know, there are several shows that I'm sure you guys are familiar with whereby a woman is throwing a bottle or a chair I've even seen. And it's like, wait a minute, just a second ago, you know, the camera cut to you being in this gorgeous gown. Why now are you jumping across the table to attack another woman? So I wonder... You know, we're talking about Amber Heard in this in this episode, but I wonder if there's just not a new or a popular, dare I say, sexy way of being whereby violence is considered for women a part of who they must be in this world. Want to leave that there. Tiaf, I'm going to come back to you. Anything else you want to add about the audio that you thought was interesting or disturbing? Maybe because I'm biased, and I've always been a huge Johnny Depp fan, and when I heard the allegations initially, I didn't believe it. Something didn't sit right with me about it. It just didn't seem right because I've heard of his previous relationships, and we've never heard of him having an issue with domestic violence, and all of a sudden it's an issue with her. But the thing that stood out to me, not so much that her behavior didn't shock me, but it's just the fact that she was – as Darquan pointed out, that she was just so blatant with acknowledging her violence but then tried to make it his responsibility to stop it or put it under control. Um, like in one of the audios, she says to him, well, when you see me getting violent or when you see me getting this way, I'm paraphrasing, that you have to help me. She doesn't take any personal responsibility for her own behavior. But again, to me that's not shocking because clearly – when you listen to the audios, it's very obvious that she's a narcissist. And people who are narcissistic never acknowledge any wrongdoing. And they will go on the attack physically or ver- verbally and gaslight their victims, but they never will acknowledge their wrongdoing and they never take any responsibility or they try to turn around and make it someone else's responsibility to fix them. So, But like I said, it wasn't... I wasn't shocked, but just hearing her pretty much admit to her narcissism and then try to make it his responsibility to fix her. I got that. So we're going to go back around the panel again. Thank you for that, T-Off. So one of the things we wanted to explore is, and, and Dark Juan kind of teed us up for this, is do women get away with inflicting violence? You know, T-Off made a good point. She says here that it's as if Amber does not It's not as if Amber on the audio does not take responsibility for her violence. It's it's almost as if, hey, because I'm violent, (laughs) you should be concerned about my well-being as far as, well, what caused me to be violent versus Amber herself looking at, well, why did I find that violence was the way that I could be self-expressed in this scenario? So the question for the panel is, Do women get away with inflicting violence? Why or why not? And before you answer that, and I regret that I don't have her name committed to memory, I'll remind the panel that an African-American woman who had suffered years of abuse by her husband decided that the next time when when they agreed to separate, the next time he came into her house unannounced, because he still had a key, not sure why the locks weren't changed, but that's another story, She was going to do a a warning shot to scare him away. And those of you who know the story, you'll know that this woman ended up spending time in prison. And so we've talked on this panel before about colorism, 
we haven't really delved into racism, but the question again is, do women get away with inflicting violence and should we explore, does race matter? So here's an African-American woman suffering years of abuse, fires a warning shot, goes off to prison. Then we have Amber Heard and others who may have been videotaped, solid evidence that they are the perpetrators. And I don't recall Amber spending time in jail. Do you guys? So let's go ahead and start with that question. Do women get away with inflicting violence and does race play a role? We'll go to you, Dark One. I think it is well and historically established that women get away with inflicting violence. It is perfectly, completely common for women to inflict violence in relationships and call it normal. I think probably about half of my relationships, women feel that it's perfectly comfortable for them to punch me in the arm, punch me in the stomach, push me and hit me in ways that if I were to do that to them in public, people would look at me like, yo, he's abusing her. Let me call the police. Women feel perfectly comfortable hitting a man because I think a lot of women think that, well, you're not really hurt. You know, however, from my perspective, having experienced this personally myself in many, many, many relationships, I'd say at least half my relationships, I've dated a woman who felt perfectly comfortable hitting me while she was playing. However, I could not do those same things to her. And I don't want to. I wouldn't think to do it, you know, because <laughs> right. you also understand, you know, one thing I've said as a man is the last thing you ever want to catch yourself in court about is some violence towards a woman. And I'll, I'll also state that I have been in a relationship with a woman who hit me, attacked me, and scratched me. And then when I called the police on her to get her out of my apartment, she told them that I was hitting her and faked wow. being injured. So I've been in this similar situation. And um, yeah, I had to take her to court, get a good lawyer, force her to accept the restraining order and go to counseling in order to protect my good name when I was only defending myself while she was physically assaulting me. So I've actually been in a similar situation. So, and here in Georgia, as a matter of fact, and the court was completely leaned in her favor. The female detective that did the case, everything was in, in her favor, even though I called the cops, even though I got her, the attacker, to agree to the restraining order and counseling, that female detective still protected her when we went to court and walked her out of the court instead of me even though I was the victim. So the system is built towards protecting women, even in the face of all the facts that show that women are sometimes violent. And, you know, as a man, I can acknowledge the need to protect women in some scenarios. Some scenarios, women need to be protected, you know, but in this particular case that I experienced, I was definitely the victim. So I think just overall, women are completely accustomed to hitting men. It's no big deal. You know, like, you're a man. You can take it. I can punch you. I can hit you. It's not a big deal. So, yeah. Thank you. And we appreciate your, um, your courage in sharing a personal situation. And it brings up so much that I want to unpack. Because, yeah, there's the playful pat, the love pat. And then in your case, there was nothing playful about this. I mean, you felt personally attacked, perhaps even fearful of your life, and called the authorities. So, so much to unpack. I want to ask you, you know, did you decide to become a part of the men going their own way movement? But before you answer, we want to go to uh, Helbra, because there's a lot to unpack here as far as men who have been victimized and their fear of coming forward. So I'm going to Make a note of that as something else we're putting in the parking lot to come back to. But again, the question is, Halbra, do women get away with inflicting violence? You may want to speak to anything that Dark One shared. Before you weigh in, Halbra, for the integrity of the podcast, I must mention the woman's name that I was referring to earlier. Her name is Marissa Alexander. And as I uh, shared with you, she did fire a warning shot. And so it, the report here is that in May 2012, 31-year-old Marissa Alexander was prosecuted for aggravated assault with a lethal weapon and received a mandatory minimum sentence of 20 years in prison after she fired a warning shot for a husband who had previously attacked her and had threatened to kill her. That was in Jacksonville, Florida, you guys. So Helper, as you respond... You may or may not choose to tie in if race makes a difference, but I would like to have you weigh in on do women get away with inflicting violence? Well, I, I feel women uh, 
definitely abuse men specifically in relationship in ways that are not spoken about, but specifically in terms of how we define violence. I would say to some degree, I would disagree with Dark One as far as the amount that they do, but obviously, you know, Dark One has experienced, you know, personal incidents of it. You know, I just like to, the first thing that comes to my mind is when uh, Solange was attacking Jay-Z in the infamous elevator video. Now, we don't see what started it, but, you know, she was obviously getting a lot of hits in on him. Um, to his credit, he did not, you know, react violently back to her. But um, what I remember is that, you know, nobody who was there was doing anything to stop her. And there was no punishment for her after. And, um, you know... Do you, do you think she was celebrated then, Hellbrook? Because you bring up a good point. <laughs> you know, how could we forget? I mean, she was getting some licks in. She Solange in that infamous uh, elevator tape. So do you think Solange was celebrated? Going back to the question, do women get away with inflicting violence? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, this is something she got away with. You know, she was not only assaulting him, she was hitting him with what was clearly a a metal purse, so she was committing battery. But to stay on topic of the general question, I would say, yeah, women get away with it. Not only do they get away with it, I think in some situations women are celebrated and it's it's looked at as a joke, which leads into why many of the men that have suffered it don't ever come forward about it. Good points. We're going to go to tee off next. Thank you for that, Idris Helbra. Uh, really good points. And we have some items in the parking lot. You know, is violence sexy now? You know, when I talked earlier about these reality shows where women are constantly attacking their fellow castmates, is it sexy now? Is it, I don't want to go as far as saying accepted, but it doesn't seem, as you mentioned, uh, Idris Helbra on the Solange case, it doesn't seem like women are really punished or even frowned upon in some cases. Maybe they're cheered on, maybe they're celebrated. So that's one topic. We also have in the parking lot this uh, conversation about Amber Heard's past behavior and past relationships that you, again, Idris Helper touched on. And then the sphere of, uh, of coming out, if you will, that you are a male victim of violence. So those are three things that we're going to try to pivot to in the 15 minutes remaining. But let's get you to weigh in as well, Tioff. Are women able to get away with inflicting violence and... Is there any truth to race playing a factor? Teal? Well, race absolutely does play a factor because it goes without saying that white women get away with things that black women could never get away with, or white people in general can get away with things that black people could never get away with. As far as like what you mentioned in reality shows, women being celebrated for being violent, I think what the reality shows, this is what gets the ratings, but white women can definitely get away with things that black women can't get away with. As far as the uh, what Darquan shared and what uh, Idris Helba just shared, like women being able to get away with certain things or violence, um, I think a part of it has to do with how men perceive other men who let a girl beat them up. If a man was to go to another man or speak one-on-one, say, for example, with a male police officer that he was assaulted by a woman, they're going to make fun of him. Like, oh, you're not a real man. You let a girl beat you up. And I think that's a big part of the reason why a lot of men don't feel comfortable coming forward, not only because they're not going to be believed, other men are going to make fun of them. So it's this whole ridiculing of a man's worth or his strength or his identity if a woman is able to be violent and he doesn't, or he cowers instead of just walking away. Or going back to Idris Helbra, you know, Jay-Z, I don't think anyone came out and said what a punk he was. I mean, did you guys hear anyone chastise Jay-Z for not, quote, defending himself in a similar violent manner back to Solange? Any, this was for any of the panelists. Was, was, was there any bad publicity around Jay-Z for not responding in kind to Solange? Panelists? I, I didn't hear anything. I mean, I didn't follow it closely after it happened. 
for for too long after it happened. But no, I I didn't hear anything about him. Like, oh, she should have he should have did this to her. He should have did that to her. More the main thing that I heard is just people like, well, what the heck happened that she would jump on him in the elevator like that? Everybody was just more than anything just trying to find out. Well, what the heck happened? But I, I never heard right. anyone questioning. Well, why didn't he do anything? From my perspective, I'm like he handled it like a man, which is this thing that that men don't get credit for is that we have uh, learned to function within this context. Like women are often physical with us and we have to handle it like a man and not hit them back, to be frank, and find a way to protect ourselves while women are trying to do that. So it is expected that we are able to do that because we are men, because we are physically stronger that we can protect ourselves from women. And if you don't do that, as Tiaf was saying, with the whole ridicule thing, you have to be able to protect yourself while a woman is doing things that she should never, ever do and maintain your decorum and your composure while you're being physically assaulted. So he did that. And just like the boss that he is, we all accept, you know, Jigga did the right thing and not hit her back. So, Dark One, I'm going to push back a little and receive, and, and this is for the panelists. You know, when we talk about domestic violence, and in this case, against men, it's not always easy to identify. And I'm hearing, we've, we've referenced, thanks to uh, Idris Helbra, the Solange uh, Jay-Z incident, because it was, of course, sensationalized. And, it, you know, they're celebrities, and we see them with their masks down, and it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? But let's just, based on some research I did on the Mayo Clinic, let's talk about some of the, what the Mayo Clinic deems as, symptoms or actual proof that you're experiencing domestic violence. I want you guys to weigh in if you've experienced this, men, <laughs> Helbra and uh, Dark One. If your partner calls you names, insults you or puts you down, that's one. Two, prevents you from going to work or school. Three, stops you from seeing family members or friends. Four, tries to control how you spend money, where you go or what you wear. Five, acts jealous or possessive or constantly accuses you of being unfaithful. Shout out to Jay-Z. Six, gets angry when drinking alcohol or using drugs. And the rest continue. Tries to control whether you can see a healthcare provider. Threatens you with violence or a weapon, Amber Heard. Hits, kicks, shoves, slaps, chokes, or otherwise hurts you, your children, or your pets forces you to have sex or engage in sexual acts against your will, blames you for her violent behavior or tells you that you deserve it, threatens to tell your friends, family, colleagues, or community members your sexual orientation or gender identity. And if you're gay, bisexual, or transgender, it may look like he or she tells you that authorities won't help you because you're gay, bisexual, or transgender. He or she tells you that leaving the relationship means that you're admitting that gay, bisexual, or transgender relationships are deviant. He or she justifies abuse by telling you that you're not really gay, bisexual, or transgender. He or she says that men are naturally violent. So this is really interesting because we've talked about physical violence, but the Mayo Clinic clearly defines violence in varying degrees. So let me just pause here and ask, off. What did you hear in all that? You're not a male, obviously. You're a beautiful woman. But what have you heard in that? Have you, have you any friends who are men who have experienced domestic violence based on this description here? Well, I have based on that description. Um, I personally don't have any male friends who experienced that, but I personally experienced that in a relationship because when people think of domestic violence, they only think of the physical part of it, but there is the psychological or emotional part of it where the abuser tries to control and break down the victim, as mentioned on that list. And in my experience, it was controlling what I wear, telling me I can't wear makeup, telling me what I can and can't eat, not wanting me to be around my friends, going in my closet and getting my clothing out, finding their, their slits in my clothes which I couldn't figure out where the uh, slits were coming from, but when I had to finally flee for my life and go back into my apartment and get 
my things out, all of my clothes had either been ripped to shreds and some of my things had been set on fire. But it it, it starts off emotional and control and what the whether you're male or female you're experiencing this your abuser is always going to try to do gaslighting tactics they used to call it crazy making where you know something is one way but they try to tell you that it's another um to make you doubt yourself or guess your own sanity and just that overall control trying to keep you from family keep you from friends control your whereabouts if a person is abuser, male or female, these are common tactics that they use to control their victim. And these these controlling behaviors and these the emotional manipulation that abusers do, this usually precedes abuse. They want to break you down psychologically so that you can be more malleable for the physical abuse part of it. So perfect. Thank you for that, T-Off. And, and again, for T-Off, and anyone else on the panel who shares personal stories, we, we really acknowledge and applaud your, your courage and your transparency. Uh, that gives us courage to share our, of ourselves and for, for our listeners out there for you to share as well. So thank you, Tioff. So let's talk about the, the, the last element of what you just shared, the breaking down to make you more malleable. I'm going now to Idris Helbra. You talked about Amber Heard's past, that in a previous relationship, which happened to be a homosexual relationship, she displayed similar abusive tactics. And I'm putting you on the spot here, Idris Helper, because you, you did a deeper dive around the past history in, in dating for Amber Heard. Do you believe, and this is all conjecture because we don't know Amber Heard personally, do you believe that she has always been abusive or do you believe she's abusive to people that she feels she can get away with it? So T-Off talks about Johnny Depp, as we know, has never been accused or had any blemish on his record as being violent, be it on set or in romantic relationships. Is Johnny Depp an easy target? Was her former lover in the homosexual relationship an easy target? Elbra? Mm. Yeah, I would I would argue the latter that she abuses people that she feels she will get away with abusing. Understood. So you you have it that it's knowing who you can prey on, if you will. So with that in mind, and we are dwindling down on time, never enough time. I want to now move to this, and I did not know until T off educated us. The letters are M-G-T-O-W, men going their own way. And T-Off talks about this being um, men who are, are of the belief that what the Western woman is materialistic and that they're typically, these are men who are typically unsuccessful in dating. So they're, quote, going their own way. T-Off, before we go to Dark One and then get the rest of the panel to weigh in on this movement as we look to close up our segment today, you made an interesting point in our briefing for the show today that the that this movement, men going their own way, actually started by a female. Is that correct, Theo? The men going their own way movement wasn't started by a woman, but men who are part of that movement are what are called incels, which incel means involuntarily celibate or someone who is not able to have a romantic or sexual relationship through no fault of their own or despite their efforts. But the incel movement started off as a community that was founded by a woman who struggled with dating and, and her inability to find a partner. And as more men, you know, came into the community and into the forums, they began to take it over because their belief is that it's easy for a woman to get sex, so it's not possible that women could be involuntary celibate because all a woman has to do is walk out the door and a man will want to have sex with her. And it just becomes this whole heap of other things uh, once men uh, begin to take it over and become the face of the incel movement. But again, men who are part of the incel movement are in turn part of the men going their own way movement as well. Understood. Thank you for that. I got to ask T-Off before we leave you, 
Based on your research, men going their own way, were any of these men, quote, going their own way because they were victims of violence, domestic violence at the hands of a woman? No, it's from what I understand and what I've read about men who are part of the movement, it is not men who were victims of violence from women or domestic violence victims, just men angry that they can't either get sex or are not successful with women or can't control women in the way that they want or they feel that women are not submissive enough or not traditional enough. It doesn't really have much to do with men in these movements being domestic violence victims so much as it is men who don't really like women and want to control women and make women do whatever they want. Interesting. And thank you, T-Off. Because Tioff talks about this uh, men going their own way, and it makes me wonder, is there a movement for men who have, in fact, endured domestic violence, be it one time as one time too many, or habitually experienced this? And I just want to point out one thing before you weigh in, uh, Dark One. Tioff talks about men, you know, in this movement, the going their own way movement, alleging that women can easily get sex. You know, one of the things that the Mayo Clinic talks about is an act of violence is forcing you to have sex or to engage in sexual acts against your will. So it's very interesting that these men feel that women can have sex whenever. And then there are some women who force men to engage in sexual acts. So talk to us, Dark One. You shared authentically about your own personal experience around domestic violence. Should there be a movement for men who have experienced violence? Why or why not? I think the I think the whole movement thing is overrated, really. But I want to talk about a couple of different things, especially given the time that we have. I first want to get back to the validity of reporting abuse, no matter what gender you are. I think it's an important thing. I think people should not allow themselves to be abused, men or women. So I think there is validity to reporting that, no matter what gender or or sexuality you are, or whether you're a man or woman, or however you identify, you should never allow people to abuse you, and you should report it. And I think that, I just want to make sure that doesn't get lost in the overall conversation. It's never acceptable to do that. People do to you what you let them do to you, and you should not let them abuse you. So that's one thing. And I think that the secondary point is that a lot of people are generating or participating in movements based on their resentment, based on their past experience. And I feel like sometimes that clouds the true nature of what these move, the potential that these movements have for social growth and positivity. So I think there are a lot of resentful people jumping on bandwagons and distorting the overall goal of that thing. It, generally speaking, if you are a social outcast, it's not just because you had a bad experience where somebody may have been violent to you. Because again, you let them do that to you. You could have stopped it. It can happen to you one time, but after that one time, you do not have to allow it to happen again. I, for instance, was like, I'm never, ever going to let any woman ever do that to me again. And I I think women have that same power. You know, they don't just don't necessarily exert that power for whatever reasons. And I had to greatly sacrifice in order to take that stance. You know, I had to dip into my 401k, get a good lawyer, all the rest of that, go to court, do all the rest of that foolishness and truly watch my rights be violated by the police department while protecting a woman just on GP because she was a woman. Even though all the evidence, and I had hundreds of pages of evidence, text messages that she sent me where she admitted her guilt, all that, I had like an encyclopedia worth of evidence against her because I had to protect my good name. But yeah, ultimately, there is merit behind abuse by any one period, you know, and everyone needs to stand up for that. And report it. So the Me Too movement is not a woman's movement. The Me Too movement is a abused people's movement. And people need to stand up for being abused by other people, period. We all need to not forget the humanity at the core of all of these conversations, really, is that people ultimately have control over how they let other people treat them. But also, we, we just in general have a holistically healthy standard for how we should be interacting with each other. Understood. Thank you, Dark One. So much to unpack. And I want to give, in our usual fashion, three minutes for each of the panel members to weigh in. And so I'm going to do that after I just touch on a couple points that Dark One made that the panelists may choose to address in their three-minute roundup. So first, let's go to this. One of the things you mentioned that I was really on board with 
dark one is the reporting, right? And so when we look at the National Domestic Violence website and we look at some of their figures, only one in seven men between the ages of 18 or older are actually reporting cases of severe physical violence, right? That's 13.8% compared to the 24.3% of women who actually report domestic cases. So I think the reporting is very interesting and a very good point that you made. What's also interesting, if you guys take a look at the national domestic violence statistics, stalking is actually something that men are very comfortable sharing that they've experienced. And that is considered violence. That is on the national domestic violence fact sheet. Can I chime in one second? I reported it because she damaged my property. And I was like, you're going to pay Mm -hmm. for that. So a part of the agreement that she agreed to was that she was going to pay for the things that she threw off the balcony, right? So I was like, you're going to pay for that. You're not, you're not getting away with that. So that's one key thing. And then uh, what was your, your second point? I'm just, I'm thinking about so many things now as, as you're bringing it back. To well, me. hold that and you're going to bring it up in your three minutes. Yeah. I'm going to finish up with the stalking, Dark One, because okay. it's good. So hold your thoughts. Men are primarily stalked, again, my reference here is the National Domestic Violence Fact Sheet. Men are primarily stalked by an intimate partner or acquaintance. And that was reported at 41.4%. So Dark One talks about the importance of reporting, and he just weighed in and shared why that was even important and relevant in his particular situation. Before we go into the three-minute wrap-up, one other thing, because I don't have a wrap-up, so I'm just weighing in here, and then I want to defer to my esteemed panelists here to do their wrap-up. One other point I wanted to tease out from Dark One's sharing is women's ability, or a woman's ability or otherwise, to leave a situation. That's not always that easy, my friend. Here's the thing. There is a recent talk about financial abuse, which I knew nothing about until Serena Williams became a spokesperson for this. Let me just share with you guys. Financial abuse is considered isolating because victims often become financially dependent on their abusers. This financial dependence traps them in the relationship. Without resources, they're unable to see a way out of their situation. For this reason, it's extremely important that women can identify financial abuse before it escalates and they're stripped of their credit histories and employment opportunities. Again, I know you guys are chomping at the bit, tee off and dark one and Idris Helper, put it in your wrap up. This is my challenge and pushback on dark one. It is not, I assert, it is not that easy to leave abusive relationships. And this financial abuse component is just one. In the three-minute wrap-up, which starts now, we're going to start with T-Off. We have moved through many spaces in this conversation, T-Off. We've talked about, obviously, that controversial audio clip of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, which some have agreed it was Johnny Depp's saving grace to get back his, as Dark One mentioned, his good name. We've talked about women getting away with um, inflicting violence, why or why not. And we've talked about the men going their own way. And we wrapped up with Darquan making some good points around when I asked, hey, should men have their own movement when it comes to being victims of violence? And Darquan made a good point. He said the Me Too movement, (laughs) as it would suggest, is for Me Too. It's for anyone. It's not just for women who've experienced abuse, though, As we know, the founder, Ms. Tarana Burke, really wanted to create this movement to help other women with a similar experience to her experience around sexual assault stand up for themselves. So, T-Off, your three minutes starts now. You can talk about any of those sub-bullets of this discussion or anything you've just heard your fellow panelists discuss. T-Off? So I wanted to just go back really quickly about the list that you just went over, the different signs of abuse. And there was one audio that I hadn't shared with the panel where she is heard telling him, here, take the Xanax, while she's continuing to gaslight him like she did in the audio that I sent you. And that, when you say shocking, that part of it, that was one of the shocking audios that I heard. I was like, did she just tell him to take a Xanax? to calm him down from her abuse, but abusers do that, and that's one of the things that they use to control their victim. It's it's not just 
the abuser who may drink alcohol, use drugs, and become more violent, abusers also try to use drugs to control their victims. But as far as the other points, I, I agree with Dark One. The, the Me Too movement should be for everyone, and I just feel like men, because the thing that, that this whole Amber Heard, Johnny Depp case brought me present to was that more men need to speak up about the fact that they are being abused because nobody should be abused verbally, physically, financially, whether they are male or female. And I just hope that this whole situation coming to light, that men who are victims of domestic violence, whether they're in a heterosexual relationship or a same-sex relationship, that if they are being abused, that they will come forward, and I do wish that our legal system was better and that, you know, victims, male and female, feel more comfortable speaking up. And I also think men have a responsibility to other men, you know, their male friends, relatives, that they can have a space to come to if they're being abused. And I feel like, oh, you're not really a man if you speak out about being abused. And just my last point as far as, women getting away with it more. And like in Amber Heard's case, I do believe she, this is clearly her personality. This is not something that just surfaced with Johnny Depp. As Idris Hellbrook mentioned, she abused a previous partner. Um, She was with Elon Musk at some point. If anyone who doesn't know who Elon Musk is, he's the founder of Tesla. And he was with her and seen with a black eye. And I do believe that a judge asked him for his records or messages that he has from her, so it seems to me like she's always been violent, and she's been able to get away with it. But now these audios have surfaced, and things have turned. And because she also faked photo evidence of bruises that she received from Johnny Depp, and from what I understand, the court determined that those were faked, and now she's going to be going to jail. We're gonna leave it there, T. Off, but that was a great wrap up. Lots to unpack in in a uh, coming episode. Thank you, T. Off. So, Helbra, your three minutes begins now. Yeah, I'll in my discussion just speaking on um, the relationship between domestic violence and gender and race. I think it's important to remember that Hope Solo, an extremely popular white female soccer player, has been involved in two publicized domestic violence altercations and arrests, and she was allowed to be the captain of the women's national soccer team in the 2016 World Cup, while simultaneously Ray Rice, a very popular black NFL player, was arrested and suspended from the NFL. Also, I'd like to touch on the um, incel and MGTOW movements. The incel movement has also been publicized because of, unfortunately, some mass murders. Most famously, the young man, uh, his name was Elliot Rogers. And this was back in, correct me if I'm wrong, around 2014, 2015. He was a student at the University of California. And he, I think, injured about 15 people and murdered about five or six people. And if you read his manifesto, he not only hated women because, like T.R. spoke on, he was unable to develop any relationship with them. He hated women because, according to him, black men were taking all of the white women. So I think it goes deeper than just violence. It goes into race as well. Very well said. And you're right. At the time, Helbro, loved how you talked about the differences in races with the, with the athletes. Really great tie up. Dark One, your three minutes begins now. Just to bring it back to my personal experience, my ex violated the restraining order 23 times, and I didn't get her locked up because I didn't want to see her in that situation. So that's another thing men take on. We are compassionate sometimes towards women who are abusive because we don't want to see them incarcerated for the crimes that they commit. And I almost did it, but I was like, I just, you know, she's got children. I don't want to see her away from her kids. But yeah, she broke the law 23 times. I'll let her get away with that, contacting me while we had a restraining order. There is always a difference between how everything works out depending on your race in this country. We have to be honest about what America is and the history of America. I think we just have a, an overall dynamic of people who are hurt or impacted by 
their relationship dynamics who take that out on other people. And, you know, they have a statement, hurt people hurt people. And that's really what all of these conversations are about. We have to take a step back and look at where did this all start? Again, many of us have had similar experiences in our education, let's say. And we know that oftentimes the way you are hurt early in life define how you behave for the rest of your life. You know, and a lot of people have emotional abuse or traumatic experiences early on in life that shape the way they are for the rest of their life. And sometimes you have those traumatic experiences later on in life that shape how you are. You know, we talk about just being authentic and transparent in our behavior, in our communication, and our actions, you know, and we are compelled by social norms to avoid communicating and behaving in ways that are truly therapeutic to our state of being, you know, and people have to really challenge that because I had to think about, you know, what are people going to think if I take her to court? You know, what are people going to think if I say, well, she scratched me up, she did this, she did that. I didn't think about any of that. I was just like, this is not right. And I have to make a statement about it. And I don't care about what anybody else thinks because they're not living it. They're not having to deal with it. Like she scratched me across my face. And as a man, when you have to walk around with like three fingernail scratches across your face, it makes you look like a rapist or something. You know what I mean? So I was like, no, nah, you, you, you got, you're going to have to pay for this. You, you can't worry about what the rest of the world is going to think about you standing up for what is right. You have to stand up for what is right, especially about what is right for you. Because again, abuse is individual. Yeah. That's a good place to end it, Dark Wands. It's never enough time. Really appreciate Dark One and Tioff sharing some very personal matters with us. This, this really does demonstrate courage, and it really just demonstrates their humanity because in their sharing, we hope that others will come forward so that we can continue this discussion in its therapeutic and most meaningful way. Guys, if you're listening, it is our intent that you're not only educated with our discussion, but that you weigh in, and most important, that you're safe. So I cannot, we cannot as panelists end this podcast today without providing important information. And that is, if you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, we ask that you reach out to the National Domestic Hotline, which is 1-800-799-SAFE. 1-800-799-SAFE or 7233 is what the numbers are that relate to the word safe. I want to thank Tioff. I want to thank Idris Helbra. And I want to thank Dark One for always having an enriching discussion. It is very painful for me to be um, the timekeeper because, as you guys can see, we have three very intelligent and passionate panelists. And I would love to be able to speak with them for hours. But we can keep the conversation going. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section. This is Luna Ma, your host. Thank you once again for joining.